0: Crying, you're so scared and all alone Hangman is coming down from the gallows And I don't have very long
1: episode 13 of the UK Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, uh, unlucky for some, uh, and I'm very unlucky because I'm joined by these two again. Uh, Dave Hart and Gavin Marshall, how are you doing guys? Wah, wah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we've entered the, ne- the next era. The- we've got a lot of eras on this show, haven't we? Yeah. The new era.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. I don't understand that Pac-Man reference that was at the Oh, was that Pac-Man?
2: Is that what you got?
1: I think
3: I was at least, you know... County-level duck calling.
1: (laughs) Gav Gav is, of course, referring to the big news that we'll get on to in a little bit, um, that Duck Hodges has been named the starting quarterback for the Browns game. I assume that's what you're referencing anyway, Gav. Yeah, of course Um, mean, I mean, I think that's the main thing to talk about. Obviously, we'll do it in such a way that we always do. We're going to be talking about the Bengals game that we've just played um, on Sunday, Steelers 16, Bengals 10. Uh, it was a nervy one, it was back and forth, um, it was heart-in-your-mouth stuff. I know this is a bit of a, uh, I suppose it's not a loss season anymore, we're sitting at 6-5, and five, but it feels that way, the way the offence is playing and the way the quarterback situation is. But this game meant a lot, I think, guys, because it would have been really embarrassing to lose this one. Yeah, it turned into a whatever-it-takes game. It did, yeah. I said that at half-time on Twitter, if anybody was, was paying any attention. Uh, I, I said, like, I'm not being funny. Mason's completely tanking this game, and we can't lose this game if we want the season to remain alive. Make the change, and obviously Tomlin. Yeah, has yeah, you weren't the only
3: one. Um, Stuntman Rich was saying the same thing, and well, uh, his, but no, I don't think. Yeah, but I don't his think his anyone plan. really. Oh, there you go. But I don't think anyone really thought they were going to do it. It seemed quite early, didn't it, to to pull him?
1: Well, it's early to you, Gav, because you're a staunch defender of him. Oh, but me and Dave. What I'm saying
3: is, what I'm saying is, it's early for Tomlin to make that decision.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it did surprise me that that he did it when he did, um, but at the same time we've been call- well, I've been calling it for it for a week and a half, two weeks now. So um,
2: the burning uh, question for me is: Were you ready to see him go, Gav? Were you, were you still clinging <laughs> on to Mason as he was walking off the field? Uh, we, I was I I yeah, was thinking he was going to get pulled, but I wasn't expecting to see it till
3: till the end. But then, given given the play, it's it was the right choice. Yeah.
1: Also, oh, you agree with the move? Yeah, I mean it, they won the game. And, right, uh, do you agree, uh, I know we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves, do you agree with the move to him be named starter next week or do you think Mason should not
3: I, I think that's very hard to judge without knowing what's going on yeah. in training camp and all, all that stuff because it seems like he had two bad games in a row and it seems something's not right with him. It, 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 Oh, I don't know if I don't want to make excuses. I don't want to be a Mason apologist, but you know, there's, there's, there's still stop, a lot no. going on. You know. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Uh, you know, he's carry carried been carrying the franchise on his soldiers shoulders. You know, maybe he's not ready for that. This has come too soon for him. And 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 he's had a lot of pressure on him. The national media, the, the, the racist stuff, which you know that that calling his character into question. You know, is and we it just you. It, it, his play just imploded. His mechanics were awful. He was just wildly inaccurate. He was making terrible decisions. He just looked completely unlike the the prospect that we've seen in the preseason and and in some other games where he's flashed more kind of better skill set than what he was showing.
1: Yeah it, yeah, it deteriorated, didn't it? Week after week, uh, uh, everything you need to know from what Tomlin said in his press conference today. Um, he said, "Why?" Someone asked him why Devlin Hodges next week. He just said, "He's not killed us." <laughs> yeah so i mean that tells you everything you need to know um it's yeah. uh, chris wesley said it on this week i know i bring chris wesley up all the time but he said exactly when he said it this week i thought that's exactly what i've been trying to sort of put into words on the podcast he says that he never throws the ball until he has someone's body part in his face yeah and it was that was very <laughs> apparent in this game yeah absolutely and that's kind of what i've been trying to put into words for weeks now is that it feels like he has no pocket presence he's not aware of pressure he's he just waits to throw an errant throw and and yeah and you saw that in the red zone in this game as well.
3: I mean for me it was the grounding, the the, the repeated mm. groundings yeah. and the the one on the third down that cost them and they had to punt. Yeah. You know, on a drive killing one and it it was just him panicking. You could yeah. see it just didn't want to take the sack, didn't know what to do, just get rid of the ball.
1: He's just throwing it anywhere. Isn't he he's just yeah. he's afraid of the hit. He's afraid of you know the interception. He's he's trying to do anything he can but. Yeah. yeah, and there
3: was the other, the other, the other pass which was concerning was where the ball just nosedived into the ground, and he and he yeah. was he had a sort of relatively clean pocket, for you know clean clean base to throw off, and it just looked all wrong. He just threw it all wrong, and he just, at that point he just thinking, "No, he's some, he's he's spooked."
1: Yeah, I, I do think this is a mix of things. I think, like you say, th- there's been a lot of pressure heaped on him, and. Uh, what could we have expected in this kind of... And especially with all the Browns stuff last week and the the stuff that's... We didn't even talk about it on the podcast last week because we didn't know then, but obviously the racist stuff with Miles Garrett coming out and saying that he used a racial slur. But I I don't think you can say that that's all this is. I I think a guy with enough talent to lead this franchise into the future would have been the same guy that overcame this and showed us something. I I don't think that Mason was ever going to be the guy that was going to lead us forward long-term. I don't. I mean, you, you. The second drive was all right. I thought. You know that he had
3: made some good completions. He was the passing was okay. And, yeah, and I, mean, it, I, I, I wonder. I was
2: surprised he was moving the ball at some points. So it was like, wow, we're actually moving the ball here, especially yeah. that, long, that long pass down to um the Kane. Yeah.
3: Hmm.
2: yeah, yeah. I think that was the
3: there. third drive. Yeah, but yeah, those. Th- there was a period where he was. It was kind of okay. This this could could work. And I wonder if the narrative would have been any different if he had thrown a TD there or completed that long one to Washington. And you know, we might have been—it might have been a different story—but he went into the he went into the hole and, and didn't emerge.
1: Yeah, if ifs and butts were candy and nuts.
3: Right there you go. <laughs> I,
1: I, but on the upside, this means that we get to talk about someone with a modicum of excitement in Duck Hodges.
2: That, True. That that to me is what the season has been missing—excitement. <laughs> yeah. And Rudolph has provided zero excitement for me so far. I know, I know we've slated him a lot on the on the podcast, but like. Come on, I'm, I'm, I couldn't have watched in a few, any more weeks of that. It's just been getting progressively worse. Now you say it's just sort of reached a head. I think this week and it's just it's all just fallen apart for him. But I mean, with with Duck, I mean it was night and day. I mean, I'm not even if you exclude the the touchdown pass to Washington, it was night and day between him and Mason of like, of pocket presence of you know eluding pressure. Right? he got sacked. What, did he get sacked twice?
1: I'll yeah. trust you on that. I don't
2: have it in front of me. I can't. Yeah, because the the O line. I mean, it's another thing I wanted to talk about, but I won't talk about it now. But the O line's been struggling.
1: Yeah, it has. And
2: it's it's been a large part of Mason's downfall, I think. It's not entirely his fault. I think The O-line has done nothing to help him out, and his receivers haven't done much to help him out.
1: It's interesting you say that, that Dave, but and I do agree with you. The O-line, we've, we've mentioned that a couple of times, that the O-line struggled. It's still not uh, still not necessarily the worst O-line in the league. I think it's still probably a net positive for the team, but it's not been at the heights it has been in previous years. But I think you can see that difference in what you say, that the, the pocket presence is there. I, I watched a couple of snaps early on when Devlin first came on, where he's just sort of navigating the pocket and dipping and diving between a few people not necessarily running past it per se but you know just in the in the pocket um and he just looks so much more mobile and just with it and and aware of what's going on around him um but you also bring up an interesting point where you say even if you take away the james washington touchdown which was obviously the big play and what kind of makes his numbers stand out and i've seen a lot of people on twitter kind of people that want to uh you know go against the grain and say well Doc Hodges actually, if you look at his stats, you know, was very similar to Mason. If you take away that touchdown, and I'm like, well, yeah, but you've you've just had to take away a you know a 70 yard touchdown. So,
2: (laughs) but what was the stat in in two pass plays? He he had more runs than Mason did in three quarters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he came out and he ripped
3: it, didn't he? But he he admitted himself he got jittery after that. Mm. uh, I think you know, and and that's and that's what's going to happen over this week with this kind of crutch, you know, clutch match against the Browns. It's going to, the pressure's going to mount on him, so we're going to see what he's made of. I think.
1: yeah, uh, we should be under no guise that this is going to be oh my God, ducks here now it's going to save the day, it's going to be perfect <laughs> it's, it's not going to be it's going to be it's nah. going to be ugly, but you know uh, for want of a cliche, did it provide a spark? Uh, I don't know, I thought I think it definitely did in this game
3: yeah i mean i went I went through back through the game and did some very basic analysis of just scoring how many throws i thought were good ones compared to bad ones that both mason and
1: wow is this going to be like a new scale are we going to get this on espn
3: no this is like the the seriously ropey kind of analysis it's it's not you know kind of literally on the back of a bag packet kind of thing but (laughs) (laughs) yeah really yeah uh so but i had it that mason threw as many bad balls as good balls and duck threw twice as many good ones as bad ones in that game
1: i absolutely love this as a scientific method (laughs)
3: <laughs> it's totally unscientific <laughs> a half drunken lazy man doing it on a scrap piece of paper that's what you get with this podcast that's what you that's what you're here for 100 percent
1: right? yeah you've been down to the lab <laughs> <laughs>
3: the shed i think
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah i i think yeah he definitely gave us the boost we needed can it extend beyond what we've seen already oh god i hope so but uh, you know I, i'm not holding my breath but at least it's something exciting about you saw it at the end of the game even when uh, we took the final snap. He just turns around and just gives that little slide, whatever it was. I don't know, secret handshake. That's like a really English thing to say about what he did. Do you know what I'm talking about at the end? Yes. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. I
2: mean, I, I might be wildly wrong, but is Duck liked more than Mason is by not just by fans but by the team? Mm. I didn't see that kind of rapport going on with, uh, yeah. with
3: Mason. Well, it's something me and Rich were talking about as well. Is is the the main difference between them is pedigree?
0: Yeah, and I, you yeah. know, and I was saying
3: that he's, his pedigrees for a reason, and Rich was kind of saying pedigrees overrated, you know, and it kind of gets you, gets you, your foot in the door, and then it's kind of over. Whereas I think pedigree kind of sticks a bit,
2: maybe. I, don't I know. think that's that's the only thing that's kept Mason in this long was pedigree.
1: Yeah. Well, it's int- it's interesting that day because you say easy he liked more, and on the base of it. I, I want to say I want to agree with you, but then you look at what happened against the Browns. The O line was straight into defend Mason Rudolph. I, I know maybe O lines do that for whatever the quarterback is, but especially with the Marquis Pouncy stuff, it felt particularly you know defensive. And then at the same time, James Conner this week, when asked about the uh, whether um, Devlin Hodges came in and provided the sparks, said uh, you know it was all on James Washington. He said James Washington did most of the work was his exact quote. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's a weird one because I found that to be a bit of a weird thing for James Connor to say. To be honest, maybe he didn't. It's hard to you know know exactly what they mean when you just see it written down on a piece of paper. But it felt like a strange thing to say to the media from James Connor. Um, kind yeah. of, yeah. Out of context, I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah, felt like it's kind of denigrating Devlin Hodges a bit, though. <laughs> I mean, maybe
3: just means in terms of targets received. Mm. Yeah, yards but... run because he was clearly the dominating receiver.
1: Yeah, um, but on the whole, uh, I assume we all agree that you should be starting next week. I know, Gav, I asked you, Dave, you agree? Yeah,
2: yes, it, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just while we're on, staying on Duck, before we move on, I was looking up, because um, it was mentioned that not many Samford players actually end up in the NFL. Um, I, I thought I'd have a look into how many have been drafted. I'm not sure about undrafted, because obviously Duck wasn't drafted. Apparently, there's been seven players drafted since 1960 from Samford. Can
1: we guess? Is that what this game's going to be?
2: Well... It's going to take a long time. Well, Christian McCaffrey. Get, get, <laughs> get, there was, was one player that was picked up by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Was it remember a, who it is?
3: an outside linebacker that, or edge rusher that ended up with the Cardinals? Was it that guy?
2: It was a defensive tackle by the name of Nicholas Williams. Oh, right. No, not the guy I was thinking. He has... From, as far as... I, I He went under the radar for me. I don't, I don't remember him. Was at all. he in
3: the same draft as Vince Williams? I don't know. Uh,
2: 2013.
3: Yeah, I think he was. I remembered him. Would that be right?
2: Because he, he has no stats <laughs> that I can <didn't> find. <laughs> and he's, he's now with the Bears. So. Oh, oh, right, there you uh, go. go. That's, uh, that's Nicholas Williams for you, the, the last Sanford player to, to go through Pittsburgh.
1: Nice.
2: It was drafted. So.
1: It's not no Toledo, is it, Gav? It's no Toledo. No.
3: <laughs> Sorry, I'm just busy googling the 2013. Must be 2012. Um, one thing I, I did see from Duck, one of his throws. Did you notice he had that kind of nose down, power tight spiral throw? I love that. That's one of my favourite looking throws. You know what I mean? It's sort of like over
2: Yeah, it's like a flat
3: bullet, but the nose of the ball kind of stays below the tail of the ball. I think Breeze and and Matt Ryan throw those quite a few times. Ben yeah, ben, ben doesn't really throw those. Yeah, it's it's it was a nice ball.
1: I have you gotta to remember he he was pretty accurate in the game he played against the Chargers. I mean he completed two thirds of his passes in that game. This game was uh, a little bit strange in that he, he completed less than half of his passes, but you know, you got to forgive him for the fact that you got that long touchdown uh, and to be honest, it's, it's all we needed against the Bengals the Bengals were, you know, the Bengals they, they had nothing to offer uh, on offense so it, it really was a case of just not giving this game away um, the, the running backs had a nice day, I mean considering the injuries, remember last week we talked about, you know, Juju was out, James Conner was out Marquise Pouncey was out um, the running backs uh, you know, we had uh, Benny Snell back uh, went for about 100 yards. Uh, I was quite surprised. Yeah, a great game. Yeah, he did. But I was quite surprised, Jalen Samuels, we didn't see much of him, considering it. He caught three passes, but uh, I thought he'd be kind of used heavily, uh, kind of like we saw in that game again. I can't remember, who was it now? Um, was it the Colts? Uh, where he had? What, like...
3: uh, it was against the Bengals last time.
1: Oh, was it? Against... The one where he had like 13 receptions. It was kind of yeah the most receptions by a running back in a long time. Um, yeah, I was surprised we didn't see him get kind of a heavy workload.
2: New boy, Karras uh, White, got... What, six, uh, six carries. Yeah, he was quite shifty, run. wasn't he?
1: he looks, a bit of pace, a bit of wiggle. Yeah, that
3: yeah, looks good. He can stay. Yeah, <laughs> him and him and Kane. We 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 kind of uh, overs undersold them. I think last week we were sort of mocking. Oh, they're not going to make any difference. But uh, yeah, he did make a difference. I think they, the Bengals weren't prepared for him at all.
2: I think yeah. we, it seems like they're seeing that Dion Kane, what we wanted in what was his name, long gone now. Kind of, it's gone um, now. sweeten. Yeah, semi Coates sort of guy, yeah. deep threat. And yeah. we've not had that for the entirety of the season.
1: Well, yeah. we've had Johnny Hulton.
2: Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that. that. <laughs> oh, <let's>, come on, <laughs> on let's <laughs> uh, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Hulton on.
3: wasn't wasn't asked to catch any balls and did well on special teams. So <laughs> yeah. that's that's what that's the role he should be playing, and he did well.
1: Uh, speaking of special teams, before because it's probably the one chance I get to bring it up. did you see that Justin Lane tackle? Yeah, I did. Oh, very mm, yeah. nice. Good. Nice to see on him Erickson. pop up. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and the other thing on special teams, we've got uh, Dirty Red. Well, he's, he's found his, his, his dynamic Juno, duo partner in, in Dirty Rob. Do you notice that? <laughs> Explain this uh, one to me. And, and Rob Spillane working as a, as, as oh. a duo, beating no, okay. people up. Oh, that's that's, that's that. Because I was already, I'd already marked him as being a fan favourite, but those two <laughs> just pushing people around. They even showed it on the TV. They showed a replay of of those two just standing over someone.
1: Oh, I love it. That's the kind of high-level analysis we get from you, Gav.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) dirty Rob. He's already a hero.
2: (laughs) Just going back to the running game a second. Did you guys see Vance pulling? I can't remember who it was. He was pulling him along the ground there. Oh, that was
1: amazing. Yeah, he's like (laughs)
2: desperate for three yards. He's just tugging him. Yeah, dragging him along the ground by his helmet, I think. Just (laughs) pulling him along.
1: Surprised he didn't blow the whistle on that. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and, then, and
3: then we had uh, Washington's stiff arm in the in the run. Yeah, that, that was beautiful. great. Yeah, mm, that, that,
1: reminiscent that, advance from last season. Uh, yeah,
3: uh, That was good. Yeah, yeah um, good to see some uh, physicality from him. Yeah, and it's good to see some uh, physicality from Ola as well. A couple of big hits.
1: Yeah, and he forced he did... the fumble early, didn't he? I mean, yeah, I know they early. recovered it, but...
3: Um... Yeah, he's looking like an enforcer on special teams. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh,
1: I, um, I, I would try and pronounce his last name, but I keep forgetting every week. Adonai. I, I can't even attempt that. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Vance McDonald, I'm getting a little bit concerned that we're not seeing him in the passing game, C- considering that we've got um, like young, you know, young quarterbacks, be it Mason or Duck, playing. You'd think a, a good tight end like Vance McDonald to be a bit of a safety blanket for him, but it feels like we don't hear from him the way that we did last season in the passing game so much. Caught one ball against the Bengals.
2: What yeah, about to pass to him though? Has there really? Well, I, I think we might start seeing more of him now. Now maybe ducks in a bit more of a confident passer. Maybe I don't know.
3: It's just this these tight form. I know. I keep banging on about they t- run running a lot of tight formations, and I I just not seeing any positive outcomes. They just seem to end up in sacks, intentional groundings, or a running back running into a wall. And I think that plays into it. In they they're doing these heavy sets with two tight ends. Yeah without scheming it right or something's not happening so it's not not the tight ends aren't getting open they're not creating any space
1: well do I mean, you, that's part of the problem do you think or, or do you hope as a scheme expert that we'll see something a bit different with duck in i mean i mean you'd, you'd hope so you'd hope that there'd be a bit of a different game plan
3: i mean the the the, the o-line wasn't really creating that much space. there wasn't many runs up the gut most of Snell's uh, good runs came where he kind of he had the patience to run and then bounce it outside, right? He had a couple of, couple of those, which is that's just pure yeah. skill on him, really, yeah. rather than schematic success. So it is a concern. I don't know.
2: Speaking of the O-line, I was looking at yet more stats uh, from Football Outsiders. Um, so take from these what you will. That's nice right. But, um, <laughs> but um, we're 20, ranked 26th of it for the O-line against uh, for the run which doesn't really surprise me, but apparently we're third in pass protection. Well, that's
3: because Mason's been holding the ball forever.
2: Yeah, apparently it's purely based on the amount of sacks they give up. Oh, okay. Right,
1: okay.
2: He 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 doesn't really take into account pressure, etc. But I think that's a wild... Yeah, that's kind of strange. It's not
1: not what I've anticipated. It feels like there's a lot of... Maybe Mason's inviting the pressure, though, like Gav says. I mean... Mm. And he does tend to get rid of. He doesn't. He doesn't really get sat that much for a guy who takes as much pressure as he does because he tends to no. throw it away mm. either to be intercepted or for an intentional grounded penalty. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Potentially, but uh, yeah, it does strike me as a strange start. Good job, good job, Dave.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I'm digging in the digging in the
1: crates for stacks. You better watch um, out for Gav around uh, around the back of the bike shed. He's, he's you're yeah. on his corner. <laughs>
3: No, I'm not a stat man at all, <laughs> as you can tell. Uh, did you, were you doing the safety symbol when Baron got his oh, nearly absolutely, safety? absolutely, yeah.
0: yeah.
3: yeah. That's, one, that's one of my favourite things, the old safety symbol.
0: Yeah. Always
3: wheel that out straight away. Yeah. So I was quite disappointed. But yeah, when it, it, it was outside, wasn't it, the contact?
2: So. I
1: suppose. I kind of hate that yeah. rule, but whatever.
2: When you look back, it, yeah, sticking to the rules, but then at the same time, I mean, we're all homers, aren't we? We just want to see that safety.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is one of those fifty-fifty calls that you would have complained about either way if it went against your team. Yeah, yeah.
3: Your guy, uh, your guy Boyd showed up, didn't he?
1: I, I, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up. I wasn't going to do the whole hashtag Simon was right. No, no, you're right. You know, double. credit where credit's due. I do like Tyler Boyd. I, I, I wrote. If you want to move on to the defense a bit, I mean, I did write down today. I thought that was the one bit that you were a little bit disappointed with because for for the whole in this game. It looked like the Cincy offense shouldn't even be on the same field as the Pittsburgh D. Uh, you know, it, it looked embarrassing. You know, every drive other than that. So it was disappointing to give up two consecutive plays to uh, to Tyler Boyd there. But but you know, fair play to him. They were good good contested catches. Yeah yeah, he's not
3: he's not exactly on my radar, but he's approaching being on my radar is is <laughs> Ed, Edmonds.
1: Oh sorry, right, I thought you were talking about Tyler
3: Boyd. Just, no no, Edmonds no.
1: Yeah,
3: I just. There's not. All right, so we, we said last week there's no splash plays from him, fine. So that, that means he's just got to be consistently good. Yeah. But he's not being consistently good. He's, he's slipping, he's getting caught out, he's misdiagnosing things, he's getting washed away. We saw that on the, the Boyd catch. Oh,
2: that that oh. one seemed to just be a lack of physicality, like the, a lack of wanting to just get in his face and go up for it. But to be fair, I've not, not watched it back properly.
1: Yeah, I agree. He's, it's tough because he's on such a great defence and the pieces around him So playing so well together that he does stick out like a sore thumb at times. Um, Yeah,
3: I I, mean he's not. I don't know. Is he a developmental prospect? So you know he's not really a first rounder, is he? But I I don't know. I I, I struggle to see what he's doing well at the moment.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. He's not. He's not on the radar, but he's radar adjacent.
3: Yeah, yeah. He's not approaching the radar screen. He's off the screen. (laughs) But he's in danger of being on the screen very soon. You can hear
1: soon. the beat, but he's not quite showing up on the <laughs> yeah. on the red dot. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, but having uh, said that, Nelson, what a great pickup he's
3: been. Yes. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He's been absolutely yeah. solid. And and the tackle on Finlay that killed their two-minute drill drive at the end of the first half. Yeah. I mean, that was classic Like diagnosis of the problem, stopping him short of the sticks. Great tackle, textbook tackle. Hey, solid. I mean, if people were kind of... It's almost criticising that free agency signing, weren't they? They were more excited yeah, yeah. about, um, uh, who else where, where we got? I can't remember now. But uh, Oh, Baron. But um, oh, it's been great. And it's it's allowed Hilton to sort of blossom as well because he was all over the place.
1: Yeah, as he often is. And I feel like he's often unfairly penalised for things as well. Uh, I Sorry, he had a PI in this game where I was like, what? <laughs> uh, I feel like he's starting to get a bit of a reputation. Poor old, <laughs> poor old Mike Hilton. But uh, no, he, he's he's great. I mean, what a pickup that was. I mean, where did he come from? He Just came from nowhere. Yeah. So yeah, that's another one. Um, you mentioned Baron there, Gav.
2: I, I've heard a lot of stick being given to to Baron, particularly on Twitter the last couple of days. I mean, when you look at his stats, he looked great. I mean, he's had six tackles, one, uh, one and a half tackles for loss, which always confuses me. The half, a sack, and four QB hits. But then people are moaning about his his coverage ability. So when he's not blitzing, he's struggling, which is uh, fair. Uh, but he's uh, not that uh, type of guy, to yeah, me. Yeah,
1: he's that kind of linebacker, yeah.
2: But also, I don't know if you noticed, they were trying
3: to do the old classic. Here we go, rub off routes, rubbing off <laughs> c- collision crosses. They Every were trying week. to do those. <laughs> oh, I hate it. it. Just come, someone come up with a better you name. Just love talking about uh, rubbing off. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if you if you saw that him and Bush were just they were just expertly getting out like handing over or, or, or getting out of each other's way and staying with their man, depending if they were zone or man, they, they, they've got that nailed now after, after the Patriots destroyed the Steelers in week one with those. Mm-hmm. So, so credit where credit's due. He so was Gav, doing well in those.
1: Are you telling me that Baron nailed it by rubbing off on Bush?
3: <laughs> yeah, you could say that. <laughs> um,
1: going back to, um, go back to remember Mike Dandy wrote in the question about Devin Bush last week. Um, De- Devin Bush only on the field for 62% of the plays. I saw Alex Kazora talking about this as well. He needs to be on the field. He's a, he needs to be an every-down linebacker at this point. The guy's a playmaker. I don't care what we do. We need to be constructing schemes to have this guy on the field all the time.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the defence are winning games, so let's,
1: yeah, let's like, yeah, I suppose their, their, so. Yeah,
3: you know If, yeah. we're, if the, if the defence was playing poorly, you'd probably stick him out there and sort of rag him but it's like a running back that position, isn't it? You see a lot of, a lot of tackles, a lot of wear, you know, a lot of wear and tear. Body breaks down. You want to protect him a little bit.
1: Yeah, I suppose so. I, you just tend to see with Steelers defensive rookies, he tend to get a lot of play. Um, for I mean, he is getting a lot of play, but he's not getting that that kind of that. He's not constantly there. He's not ever present, you know, which you tend to see by this point. Um, but I, I don't think it's in any way to do with his play because I think he's been exceptional. So it just surprises me a little bit. That's all.
3: I think I think next year we'll see it. He'll be the defensive captain. Be there on every play.
1: Yeah um stud dupree on fire again um, yeah i, mean, I, was, I was actually sealed the
2: actually is, uh, is is my guy stud dupree got a contract from you guys yet well he adds a million oh,
1: guaranteed so. every game at the minute
2: yeah
1: <laughs> so yeah absolutely i mean he's becoming more and more and must sign at this point i know we spoke about how yeah. that might be difficult with juju and and whatnot but that needs to get worked out yeah they'll find a way surely yeah he's playing that well uh, you want to keep this this unit together, uh, you know. Studdard, yeah. Dupree, TJ, Cam Haywood, all on fire.
3: The the strength on show from Cam Haywood, when he bull yeah. rushed the guy. Yeah. yeah. That was just yeah. insane. And you see the size of the dude he's pushing back. It's like a sumo wrestler, and he's pushing like him he's back like
2: skates. he just pushed. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he had a great game. It's good to see him because he was he was a bit quiet, wasn't he, at the start of the season when Tuit was getting all the uh, yeah. Yeah. all the plaudits.
1: Do you know? I almost forgot about Stefan on I Imagine with with that guy there as well. That's, oh.
3: Uh, but Hargrave stepped up quite well
1: Mm. Uh, Steelers defense now uh, not allowed 25 points in six straight games the longest streak in the NFL so it just goes to show that this defense is one of the best if not the best in the NFL Patriots fans are coming out the woodwork crying about this a little bit but this defense it's being covered up because the offense is so bad so we are allowing some points on occasion but there's only so much you can do when the offense isn't giving you, you know, hope and help. But when they're on the field, this defense is just immense.
3: Yeah, it's great. I was going to say, Dave, you're not excited. This season's not Minker's not got you excited. This season, you're not getting
2: excited by that. He has. I mean, it, it, I think. Um, I, man, I, I've said I said earlier that people were sort of should be eating their words. About the, you know, when they were sort of unconvinced by the trade for him, I think he's been great. Yeah, I can't complain about him. What what gave you the impression that I'd be complaining? Well, just about?
3: That you said that this season's been unexciting so far. And I, I, no.
2: It. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, on a from a offensive perspective, okay. it's been a bit pretty right. unexciting. It's been sort of relying on on the D to do it all for us, which maybe that's a bit of a modern perspective on things. We're sort of spoiled with fancy offenses these days. I don't
1: know. Yeah, we're not like sure. those fancy pants Ravens with the fancy schmancy <laughs> offense. We play real football down here. <laughs> Are you guys scared yeah. of them? I'm a
3: bit scared. I'm terrified. <laughs> I mean, we, we we kind of thought they were just a kind of you know novelty offense, didn't we? With you know this kind of running running quarterback, but they're, they're not that at all. He's just absolutely destroyed the Rams.
1: Yeah, they tore them to once the cack out of didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, that's becoming but concerning. We-
3: yeah. Before we move on, we should, we should talk about the other phase of the game, which was Boz and Barry,
1: mm.
3: and especially on your punting corner. What a great punting show from from Barry. And, and Boz, Boz came back from, from the miss last week to get a clutch 47-yarder. So it's official, he's fixed.
1: Yeah, there's no problem with Boz. Boz is having a great season. Uh, thank God, because the last thing we did was kicking wolves this season and on top of everything else. Oh, yeah. Um and, and yeah, Jordan Berry, I mean, I know people who listen to this podcast regularly know that I've taken credit for this and, and rightly so. He's listened to me and he's stepped up. What what more can you so, ask for?
3: So you're happy with him now?
1: Uh, I'm happy with his performance this season. We'll reevaluate when we get to the end of the season and, and we'll you know, we'll talk with his agent and see where we get.
3: I mean he's every week he seems to be out punting the the other team. Other teams punter. Who would you want instead? I mean Hecker maybe but
1: well, Who would listen, you rather? I'm, 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 I'm not going to sit here and rank the punters, that's something for the off-season, that's, <laughs> save that for the off-season punting ranking podcast, which we, hey, we'll do that, we're not above it, um, but I can't it, wait to deep dive into punting tape, I swear to God, I'm quite happy to get all, you know, 64 punters on the training camp rosters and, and rank them one to 64, uh, Maybe yeah, maybe that's an off-season podcast we can get into, we're looking for ideas. <laughs> um, the, oh the one quick thing on defence before we move on that we've got to end on a negative people that know me in real life know that I love to have a moan so interceptions does uh, uh, someone want to teach uh, Joe Hayden how to catch?
2: Yeah. <laughs> he's struggled in the past with those he always seems to be there but never really comes down with it
0: I mean, well, that's, why these, the week, that's he? why these receivers
2: end up being cornerbacks, right? Because they
0: can't yeah. catch.
1: You can't yeah. complain at him because he's defending these passes. And, uh, so, you know, listen he played brilliantly on the the pass defense side of, side of things. But I, it felt like if the defense was going to go and win us this game, if you imagine this game wasn't against the Bengals, let's imagine this game was against you know a, a realistic competitive side. This would have this would have been a game that Joe Hayden's interceptions could have won as the game. Whereas I think we would have lost without them. You know, so it's tough because. With an offense this bad, those are the kind of players you probably need to win games against good teams.
3: Well, hopefully, he will catch some against the Ravens.
1: Oh yeah. dear
2: god, will we get like another ten concussions? And you see Joe Hayden back there <laughs> receiving punts? Start, start getting worried. <laughs>
1: um, so we talked a bit about the the Ravens already, but yeah, they beat the Rams forty-five to six. Um, what's starting to worry me more than just the Ravens is the fact that I think it's looking more and more inevitable that we're going to end up seeing a Ravens Patriots AFC Championship game. Which truly is Probably. the darkest of timelines?
2: Probably. Which one would you? Which one would you guys rather you're see not, in the Super Bowl? You're now? not
1: going to like my answer.
3: <laughs> I think. I think. I. I think I'd rather the. I
2: don't know. That's tough. <laughs> I, I
1: think I
2: have. I have more respect for the Ravens at the moment. I'd I think. Yeah. From. Ravens. Yeah. I think from a
3: from
1: a outsider's perspective,
3: I'd be more interested to see the Ravens. Yeah. 'Cause we've seen the we've seen the Patriots so many times.
1: Can I just yeah. say, Gab, I absolutely love that. You sort of you steamrolled into that as if you were about to have a really hot take and then just completely <laughs> backed off as you arrived.
3: <laughs> as I thought about it a bit more.
1: <laughs> you were ready to be like, Oh, God, I definitely want the pay um well. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't do it. I can't can't deal with another two weeks. The worst two weeks of my year, every year, are the two weeks waiting for the Patriots to play in the Super Bowl. I despise it. I'm sick of hearing about them. Yeah. You know, if I have to hear about Lamar Jackson, I don't mind Lamar Jackson. I can deal with that. It's a new story, it's a new thing. Yeah, I know, it's the Ravens. Would I choose any of the other, whatever, 14, well, 13 teams, not including the Steelers? Over these two, yeah, but unfortunately, that's not the case. You know, we're not going to get the Titans. We're not going to get the Texans. That whole division's shot. Uh, the Bills aren't going to challenge anyone. It's going to be those two. I can't, I, just, I can't even see the eventuality that it's anyone else.
0: Yeah.
1: Maybe Kansas, I suppose. We were all forgetting about Kansas. If they get hot, um, but hmm.
3: they sort of fade. It feels like they faded a little yeah, bit. it does. It? But I mean, the, the Ravens know, have got if, really if, hot.
1: If Mahomes could, you know, pull it back and you know the start defense, looks improved. But the Ravens. What some people are starting to say now, have they peaked too early? We see this sometimes with, with some teams. They, they peak in the regular season. They don't quite make it come playoff time. Yeah, it's
3: true. I don't know. I mean, you look at Ingram as well, man. He's like running like the Terminator.
1: It's
3: mm. just, it's just that, that dual threat running game they've got. It's, I don't know. That's a, It's a whole schematic thing that people have got to solve.
1: Yeah. And uh, is he the shoe-in for the MVP now, Lamar Jackson? Uh, Looked like Russell yeah. Wilson a couple of weeks ago, but now it's looking not hard to argue with.
3: Yeah, I don't know. It's McCaffrey, ebb and right? flow, isn't it? Ebb and flow. It was McCaffrey before that. It's sort of, they've all had their own little time in the sun, and I think it will be whoever comes back for the sort of the clutch time of the year. Mm. You know, week fourteen onwards.
1: Yeah. Uh, cool. See. So that's that's the Ravens. Um, yeah, like I say not not the most positive news on that front, but we play them in a couple of weeks, so there's some more great news for you all. Uh,
0: <laughs> but uh, the,
1: the team that we're uh, playing this week, guys. Um, this is my attempt to uh, try to sort of move on to another topic. But this is where Gav usually interrupts me and says... Oh, actually- well, I was going to
0: say,
3: actually, uh, <laughs> a little, little shout out to Frank Gore, who's just been doing it forever. I mean, I yeah. saw Frank Gore play for the 49ers at Wembley. And he was old then, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, Frank Gore, sort of, you know, veteran running back. That mm. was like six years ago, seven years ago. He's still going and he's, you know, third all-time... Rushing yards now, wasn't it? Was it
1: total yards? Rushing yards. Yeah, third third all-time rushing yards past Barry Sanders, was it?
3: Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, just 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 uh just the consistency of it of of him and what he, you know his all-round game. Yeah. Uh, round of applause to him.
1: Yeah, like Frank Gore, you forget about him. Similar to kind of like Larry Fitzgerald style thing, but on the running back front. Um, yeah. You always want him on the team, so uh, he might stick around for another couple of seasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah. There's a
3: lot of team that teams that would want his skill set. I'll take him right now, to be honest. As a, as a backup running back, yeah. And then the other thing, I did a double take. I thought, thought I'd sort of fallen back through a time warp was when Seattle scored a touchdown through M. Turner. I was thinking, yeah. what? My, my, Michael Turner's come back. And then, no, no, of course, it wasn't him. It was uh, Malik Turner. But yeah, just for a split second there, it had me. Do you remember Michael Turner? Sort of the, the Chargers and Falcons, great running back.
1: Oh, I don't, mate, no.
3: Uh, he was good. He was—he was the kind of player you always wanted to get on fantasy when he was oh, with the Falcons. Anyway,
1: when was this?
3: Uh, so he was—he was, he was uh, Tomlinson's backup LT okay. uh, at the Chargers, and there was uh, a big thing at the time about him being um, like a big free agent. So you know, he was like yeah, the yeah. kind of that like, everyone wanted him. He was a hot backup, and then he eventually went to the Falcons, and he, yeah, he was on that Falcons team with uh, Tony Gonzalez, and just he was just you know, just. You know, thousand yard rushing every year. Great, great running back.
1: Nice. Well, at least it only took thirty five well, minutes this week for a reference I didn't get. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, when
3: did he? He not When did you start watching? Because he didn't. He didn't retire that long
1: ago. Uh, I mean, to be honest, guys, It's just as likely that I've just forgotten about him that it, it is that I, <laughs> that sure. I never saw him. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was playing with Matt Ryan. Let's think. When did I first really get into things? Seven, eight years. No. Is it that seven years ago, maybe?
3: Uh, I'm googling Michael Turner right now when he retired. Michael <laughs> <Turner>. Anyway,
0: <laughs> the uh, uh, the yeah. Browns
3: uh, Riversing podcast material. Uh, uh, he was drafted in. Sorry, 2012. <laughs> he retired in 2012. Last game in 2012. So was that, was that about when you started? Yeah, that was probably about
1: when I started. Yeah. Okay, you yeah. missed
3: Michael Turner glory years. Um Gav. Right, sorry, yeah, back on track.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we gotta focus his down mind again. <laughs> um the this game against the Browns, um it's been relegated to Sunday at six PM uh, after all the controversy the other week. The NFL has buried this game as far away from Prey Eyes as possible. Um probably rightly so, because uh, you imagine this is gonna be a bit of a testy one. Yeah. Uh, well, I think,
3: Do you think that played into the decision as well? Just don't, don't expose Mason to this?
1: It's interesting that you say that. I kind of feel like this could be a situation where this played into their hands perfectly. They wanted Mason not to start this game for obvious reasons. They played Duck. He maybe doesn't have a great game. Mason's back the week after. I could see that happening. I yeah. Mean, I, I,
2: I, I, if if I the know. pressure of playing the Bungles is getting to you, what's he going to do against <laughs> a bunch of Browns that want to take his head off?
3: Mm-hmm. You know. yeah, do, you, you do, you, do you think we've? Do you think they've closed the book on on Mason this year, or do you think he'll be back?
1: I. Oh, it really depends on how Duck plays in it. Because I, I could see them. I don't think they've necessarily closed the book for good. I think they could, I, they could bring him back if Duck it looks disastrous. Uh, but I think it's Duck's job to lose. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. From here on out. Yeah. And it's a, it's a job that he could well lose against his Browns team. I mean, he's lucky that he's not having to go up against Miles Garrett. Um, yeah, that's something. That's that's something for him to lay his hat on. But, you know, we struggled on the on the secondary level as well with, with the Browns in the last game. It was only two weeks ago. This is the first time we've really spoken about a game where we played the exact team uh, two weeks ago. But obviously that game, to be honest, was so marred by the controversy at the end of it that we didn't really get into the actual ins and outs and the X's and O's of the game all too much. Yeah. And
3: it seems like the Browns have hit form since then. I mean,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, Landry
3: yeah. and OBJ getting getting going. I mean, Landry's been scoring touchdowns all over the place.
1: Yeah, touchdown and, um, each of the last four games. Landry.
3: He was so. quiet at the start of the season, wasn't yeah. he? So it's like Baker's found refound his connection to him, and Showbert's suddenly picking everything. He's become a bullhawking linebacker. Yeah, I love Josh The
1: yeah. best IDP linebacker. Go pick him up if you play an IDP
3: you see the stat? He became the sixth linebacker in the league history to record two interceptions in consecutive games. Oh, a little really? bit of history there. Yeah.
1: That's, that's, that's
3: a cool little stat. So But, I mean, he was quite lucky, but that's part of it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Just being in the right pretty place. Pretty
1: yeah, that's been a linebacker.
3: Better yeah. than Joe Hayden. Yeah. Yeah, at least he caught them. <laughs> yeah. um, and the fact that um, the other little stat from the game was Landry and Beckham scored TDs in the same game as Brown teammates for the first time. And they that's haven't done that crazy, since- isn't it? I haven't, yeah, I haven't done that since 2013 for LSU.
1: Yeah, wow. Yeah. You would not have said that going into the season, that it would be week 12 by the time that happened. Yeah. Um, but the, the concern is, of course, that if the Browns are getting hot now, we, we play them this week, they're only a game behind us in the um, division. Might be more for well, bragging rights than realistic playoff chances, but... They're gonna they're
2: not going to be walking through a defence this week. They're going to be facing, and as we've said, an elite, defence
1: yeah no you're right uh, but if they're going to beat us anywhere it's probably through the air and, and the concern is that they put 21 points us in last time that was because four interceptions from Mason Rudolph in all fairness but uh, you know we're starting a, a guy who started one game for us um, there could be turnovers in this game and that, that, I don't know if we have hmm. enough points in us to recover from that
2: I'm assuming they're going to give Duck the same sort of game plan as they gave him last time don't lose the game don't for us do lose the
1: game yeah you know? but, but the question is, this time, I mean, you've got to remember when we played the Chargers when Duck started his last game, that was the Chargers team at the time that were really on a downward spiral. Um, we hit them at a really good time, they weren't playing well at all. Uh, this Browns team seems to be more of a bit of an uptick.
3: Yeah, you're going to have to score some points it, against them. It
1: feels, yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. It feels like we might need, I mean, it's always hard because game script. Changes so rapidly in the NFL, but you you often think into games. You know how many how many points are we gonna to need to score in this game to win this. I wouldn't be surprised if we need if we need to be scoring twenty plus points to win this game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, do, what's, do you know anything about Connor's status? Is he from what I'm hearing? It's going to be another week. He's still
3: he's still gonna. Yeah, go.
0: sounds yeah. like it.
3: I mean, Snell did well, and you know you could you could kind of devise an offensive plan around him, which is what I think they did. But
2: I, I was know. kind of surprised that they left out. um Trey Edmonds and put new boy in um, Kareth White I was surprised at that I thought you'd seen fair bit of Trey Edmonds but maybe they've they've seen something in, in White and they clearly did because he ripped off a what was it a 20 yard run on his first yeah
3: uh, Edmonds yeah. is a bit plodder he's a bit of a plodder isn't he mm. I don't know Kareth showed us some speed I
0: mm.
3: thought you know yeah,
1: that's what you want pace. from your sort
3: of your change of pace gap back kind of thing Yeah, he came in
1: Especially when you've got a guy like Benny Snell, he's just, you know, pounding the rock straight down the middle. Yeah, I mean, he
3: he is a sort of prototypical foundation back, isn't he? If he's if he develops, if he's on this path, he could be, you know, we could be looking at a great one-two punch, Connor and Snell.
1: My concern, thunder and thunder. My concern with Connor is, do we need to be preparing for life without Connor? I don't mean leaving the team necessarily, but this guy's not, he's not maintaining his availability very well. (laughs) You know, no, he's not wearing. Yeah, he's not he's not available you know and and the best the best ability is availability Um, yeah so do we need to i mean it's a long way away do we need to start thinking about running back in the draft next year or or free agency or someone to get the team going as a number one
3: yeah i think i think that will probably look for someone but it will be later rounds again
1: Mm. hope you hit on juice yeah
3: I, I like what I've seen from Snell, don't you? Are you not positive that he could... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah, of course I am. But I, I think he is very much a role player. I don't think he's going to carry the load long-term, or at least not ideally.
2: And that pass he caught from Mason, that was a shocking pass, but he just he seemed to fly and catch that. That was amazing. The, yeah, I thought he yeah, the best catch of the season, that.
0: Yeah, it
3: was brave of him, because that was like he was going to get hurt, I thought. I, mm.
1: I'll tell you exactly the kind of guy we need is Nick Chubb. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah
3: the, the dolphins couldn't tackle him, could they? Yeah,
1: crazy. I mean, yeah, ninety-plus scrimmage yards, ten consecutive games now. I mean, that's like on Bell stuff. That's like what he used to do. Every single game, you could rely on him for a hundred yards. Um, and now they've got Kareem Hunt back as well, who. Uh, mysteriously disappeared from the Chiefs and then reemerged <laughs> recently. I know.
3: Suddenly, this is the the off season dream team that we we all thought was going to you know be the Browns that never appeared. They're suddenly appearing against the Steelers this week, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember that Kareem Hunt game when he first broke out? I think it was like maybe week one last year or was it the year before? I can't yeah. remember now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it just seemed like he exploded onto the scene. And then obviously all the all the background stuff got in the way and he got cut by the Chiefs and it's quietly re emerged. It doesn't feel like anyone's talking about him, but he, he's a big piece.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that is classic Thunder and Lightning.
1: Yeah, 100%. That,
3: that combo.
2: With all yeah. the uh, the QB woes we've been having. Do you guys find yourselves really appreciating how good Ben was and how much we relied on Ben, really? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you can't oversell I it, am. can you? We we did rely on him.
2: I'm um, I'm sort of feeling a bit worried for Hobo Ben as well now. He's looking. <laughs> he's he's getting he's getting putting a bit of timber on.
1: As our, our a beard bit. aficionado, how did that rank in the beard rankings?
2: It's it it's a nice beard to be. I mean, I, I always I always love seeing Ben late in the season because he seems to do this no shave through the season thing and ends up a grizzled veteran by the end of it. I love it, but um, now he just kind of looks kind of like a guy who's been sat on his sofa eating Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, uh, uh, do, how are you feeling about this game in general? Are, are you feeling? Any quiet confidence, I must admit, I know I'm pretty negative all the time, but I- I'm very concerned by this game. I- I- I'm concerned that this isn't going to be close.
3: <laughs> yeah, it could be embarrassing, couldn't it? I mean, it-, it, all- it-, it all comes down to Duck, how how he handles the pressure, I think.
1: Yeah, and the reality is, I mean, we're right in this. I mean, it might feel like the world's imploded on us, but the Raiders lost this week, um, and they were really the main the main issue for us in terms of that number six seed. The Titans are now probably that it means. Yeah,
3: they're making a sneaky run, aren't they? Yeah, uh,
1: and then obviously the Browns are only one game behind now, which is kind of crazy to think after where they started. Um, but you could say so the same if, about if, us.
3: If Mason became a Tannehill, would that be mm. would that be a good a good career?
1: If Mason became what, what, how, like how do you describe Tannehill. a Tannehill? <laughs> well, it's a kind of, so
3: one tick above a Dalton.
1: One tick. <laughs> uh it's like shit cocktails um <laughs> I, I mean it's i always think these quarterbacks are the worst we have spoke about this before would you rather have the the guy that's um you know okay for 10 years but kind of is a, a blocker for the younger guys or that forcing in the team's hand to go and draft a, a really talented superstar but um, you
3: can build a team around especially if you've got you know like a defense like Pittsburgh has
1: yeah uh, I think you've got, the quarterback position is so important. Even with a defence like ours, you, you've seen how important it is. Um, that's a good question, I suppose, Gav. If we had Andy Dalton right now, he's sitting on the bench in Cincinnati. If we had Andy Dalton, where would we be? Would oh yeah, I mean you'd be better off. You
3: feel like you're in safer hands, yeah. You, would, you wouldn't be going into every game scared that you're just not going to move the ball. You know they can move the ball.
1: Would we have one more just... game? I, see, this is what I don't. This is the, the strange thing is that the bank, uh, the uh, Ravens and the 49ers are probably the two best teams in the league right now. And both of these teams, we took one to overtime, and the other team we lost in the final minutes because of a James Conner fumble. So uh, it, it's Isn't almost that... infuriating. It feels like it's on the tippy tongue. Uh, mm. This excellent team. And it's just, I feel like we're a quarterback shot.
3: <laughs> and, and Jimmy G is sort of looking like that kind of a little bit better than a game manager kind of mm. quarterback at the moment, isn't he? He's not playing lights out football.
1: Yeah, you're it's right. I, kind of... That's kind of what I was saying to you the other week about comparing the Steelers to the 49ers a bit, where I feel like we need that Jimmy G guy just to manage the offense that's good enough to make the plays that lets the defense shine. I mean, th- yeah. there's only one reason that the 49ers are blowing teams out at the minute, and that's that defense.
3: Yeah, the defensive line.
1: I mean, Debo awesome. Samuels helps, and George Kittle helps, but um, ultimately that D-line is just the most dominant position in the league on any team right now, it feels like.
3: It'd be a good game, wouldn't it, Ravens 49ers?
1: It would be a good, I mean, a repeat of uh, the Lights Out Super Bowl. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be on board for that. Yeah. And hopefully the uh, 49ers would win. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Are we going to get any predictions from you? UT? You've been very hazardous, very hands-off. You didn't want to say what you thought was going to happen there.
3: Oh, I don't know. It's, it's like, you know, throw, throw a dart at a dartboard and see where it lands. It's so hard to say. We don't, we don't know what they're going to... I, I, I don't know.
2: There's too many variables. If yeah. if the D shows up and and is how it's been for the last, you know, however long as an, as an elite defence, then, yeah, it could be a... I won't say a blowout, but it could be a, a tight finish game that sort of ends up with a field goal or something like that. But I couldn't predict a score.
3: No. No. Can they can can they stop Chubb? Can they can they get pressure onto to Baker? Can Hot can Hodges move the ball? Is is Connor and Juju back? Too many questions. Yeah. Unknown.
1: Dear me. Well, once uh once Dave. What's the uh, betting? What's the betting? I think they're one point five points money. So very close over us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
3: I'd say that's about right because you don't know if the the Browns are uh, a mirage. You know, you don't know which Browns you're going to get. You don't know which Steelers you're going to get. Hard game to predict. I yeah, think anyone. I think that's a little. This result.
1: I think that's a little light. I'd probably put it at three. I, if I was a betting man, I'd take the Browns plus. Uh, sorry, Browns minus one point five. If that was the line, but. Yeah, but it's that it's that it's that home. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why the lines as close as it is. Yeah. Um. Well, once uh, Dave and Gav have recovered uh, from their back sizes, their back backsides... <laughs> uh from back sizes. Back sizes. the fence podcast Oh right fire alright that fell that fell on its ass didn't it? Yeah uh I was gonna say <laughs> once you've recovered your backsides from sitting on the fence um <laughs> we would be we would be back uh, because we're we're hoping to have a guest on uh, in just a moment. Um obviously there's always the chance that this comes to an abrupt end. Um, as we are unable to connect <laughs> with our guest on this, <laughs> this ramshackle fire on garbage truck on fire podcast that is uh, the UK Steelers Pod. But um, we'll leave you for now, and uh, you should hear our voices in just a couple of ticks. And welcome back to the UK Pittsburgh Steelers Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us again. And we're joined now as well by a very special guest, star of stage and screen, and resident. Um, Pittsburgh Onion? No, that's not right at all, is it? David Conrad, how are you doing? Oh, good. I'm
4: doing well.
1: What, what is the word? Not Yinzer. I didn't want to say Yinzer, Dave. That's why yinzer, I said Yinzer. Yinzer works, yeah. Okay, you can be yeah. A yinzer. resident Yinzer. Uh, or, or
4: just a Pittsburgher,
1: generally. <laughs> Pittsburgher, that would have been better, yeah. See, yeah. I've already fallen all over myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> David, I don't know if you want to give sort of a little brief introduction uh, to yourself, just for anyone that, that may not know who you are. Um, just, just a very brief introduction of you and, and maybe, you know, how you got into the Steelers. I suppose it's pretty obvious, but.
4: Yeah, I, I grew up in a steel town. Um, I'm actually looking out my window right now at the last functioning uh, steel mill in Western Pennsylvania, practically the Edgar Thompson mill. Um, uh, I grew up in the seventies when the Steelers were winning everything. And so for me, it was just sort of normal to have this incredible team uh, around me at all times. And, uh, and then I left Pittsburgh in the mid eighties, went to college, went to university, worked in stage and TV and film for 20 years. And, um, uh wedding crashes was the thing that everybody's seen me in and then um uh return to paradise or men of honor there are a couple big movies in the 90s but since then mostly stage and tv
3: yeah you did a bit of agents of shield as well didn't you
4: oh yeah that's right i did a year i did a season on agents of shield that was the last year i ever worked on television yeah
3: Yeah. and now you're performing in pittsburgh is that right
4: yeah, oddly enough, uh, I actually just came home for the holidays, and a friend of mine has a little teeny theater here, and he lost an actor, and he called me and said, "Hey, what are you doing between now and December?" I said, "Sitting around in bars," and so <laughs> I, you know, it was a great part. It's a really good play. It's it's kind of a hit American play. It's called Dance Nation. It's big in the nonprofit sort of big theaters. There's in every American city there's a huge theater that's and that's sort of a You know the place everybody goes to see shows, and um, this play has become kind of a darling hit. It's about six young girls, on a from a steel town who are in a dance troupe, and I play their coach or teacher. But the girls are all played by grown women, so it's uh funny, touching, moving, all that. We laughed, we cried. Cool. (laughs) How
3: how long's the run? How long do? uh, How long you performing? December
4: sixteenth is the last day.
3: Right. Cool. Well, if you're in Pittsburgh and you listen to this, get down. yeah, Yeah, get down there
1: yeah tell them the uk steelers podcast sent you yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> you get a discount
2: yeah you get free popcorn. <laughs> <100. 100. laughs> how how does a a, a guy from a, a steel town as you say wind up in the theater in um the i
4: i got really lucky and i had some great teachers in high school um uh, i guess what would you guys call that uh, uh secondary school i suppose before you go to university yeah um and, um, they just got me into a school, a good school, so when I got to that school uh I'd never done a play or read anything i'd even, I'd never seen a Shakespeare play ever. I just walked into an audition and I got the part um and uh after that, I was just hooked, just completely uh dove in, and that was it um so yeah, you know i just i got, i got lucky you know i got lucky oh, you you're too, you're too <laughs> humble, david <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you you didn't feel the pressure to be going into football or some sort of sport from?
4: Oh, y'all from do. Basketball. I mean, he's not. Oh, it's not pressure. It's a joy. I mean, everybody plays. You don't even. You don't even. You don't even second guess it. You know. Did you uh, Did you play any football there? I I only played when I was a kid. I mean, you know, we all played pickup games every single day after school. We just walked into the backyard back of the school where we played. You always played. You played in the street. You played in the, the way you guys play football. Footballer. Or, yeah. Well, or, or, I, or, I I would guess it's actually more like how the Brazilians or the Spanish play football. Like it's. I mean, because you guys have cricket and rugby and that kind of. There's some people who don't even follow football, but there's nobody in Pittsburgh who doesn't follow football. Almost nobody, you know. Um, yeah. So I played as a kid, and then uh, I was uh, I was a swimmer. I, I didn't I wasn't big enough, and I you know I did another sport. So stick with what you're good at.
1: That sounds like me, David. I, I played a little bit of American football when I could when I got to university, but I was too small. I, I didn't have the build for it. I've always, I, I've always been a better swimmer. Yeah, I would have been murdered. Have been <laughs> I, I was a couple of times.
3: yeah well uh, a little peek behind the curtain we actually tried to get you on the podcast a couple of weeks ago but you you uh you were caught in an ice storm is that right yeah you you survived that okay
4: we got five inches of snow here in one day and then that lasted 48 hours and now it's 60 degrees again very crazy yeah crazy strange weather yeah so
3: taking talking about the temperature in pittsburgh what do you think about what's going on at the moment how's the mood there
4: you know it's funny uh it's odd. Pittsburgh fans are, are a strange breed and they're really well, they're a little bit like, I mean, I guess I, I can't think, I don't know enough about English football to pick the right city for this or the right team. But in the same way that Barcelona fans are super, super smart about football and, and very judgmental about the team, um, Pittsburgh fans tend to know a lot about football. And um, so they're really excited that the defense is so good. <laughs> and, um, well, yeah, you know, uh, it's a Pittsburgh ethic that if if you tie a zero zero tie is a win. So um, uh, we're really happy about that. We're, people are really excited about the potential of that, and um, they love the new running back Snell, the kid who came in here. Um, people miss Connor and feel sorry for him. Um, I think the general feeling is overall is that the leadership of the management of the team. You know, leaned too much on on win by the Ben, die by the Ben, right? Like Roethlisberger was everything. The whole offensive scheme is, revolves around him. So when he falters, no one else can fit into the scheme because he is the scheme. And um, we didn't have we haven't bred anybody to replace him, really. You know, um, and like you know, compare it to New England. You know, uh, when when Brady goes, they will still be a gro- great New England team because Belichick and his offense call the plays. You know, I mean, I'm sure Brady does too, but He's part of a system.
3: Yeah, it's true. I mean, the he went down and they had Castle in. I mean, they didn't really didn't really blink, did they? They just carried on yeah. business as usual. Yeah. yeah,
4: and the Steelers are much more sort of a bizarre playing-by-freak inspiration. And that's and kind of what makes us great sometimes. But I, I feel like, and I think a lot of people feel like, it's gone too far and we put way too much. We leaned way too much on Ben and when Ben... When Ben finally goes, it's it's a frightening thing to think. Like, what'll happen? But I don't know. There's yeah. signs. It seems like there are signs that we're rebuilding a, you know, a team that calls plays. It's just you know you got to find somebody who's a, finding a great quarterback is uh, incredibly difficult.
3: Yeah, it seems like they found a new identity on defense, but really struggling on offense.
4: Yeah, messy. Yeah.
3: Yeah. What do you think about the decision to pull pull Mason in the game?
4: Uh, you know, bad luck for him. I mean, my God, you know, week after uh the, the Cleveland Browns debacle. He plays like a, like a Turkey. Uh, I'm glad they called him. I mean, I'm glad that they, you know, um, nobody's bigger than the team.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I, on this podcast and, and elsewhere, I've been kind of defending Mason a little bit saying people, you know, but he'd be coming for a lot of criticism and I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's very early, yeah. you know, he's a developmental prospect. Let's, let's not, you know, heap all, all this on him too much too too quickly.
4: Yeah, I wouldn't, I, My thing is not that he's responsible, he's got to go. It's just, you know, you're playing bad, sit somebody. Um, You know, it's football. Like, it should be a machine by which you can put other people in it. And, um, uh, you know, like, yeah, like you said, he's young. He's got a lot to learn. Um, He may never have the windup that a great quarterback has. He takes too long to throw the ball. But um, um, you never know.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I was saying that earlier, there were some worrying signs in his mechanics, but I, I don't know whether that was just he's just seeing ghosts or, you know, just feeling the rush, just yeah. holding on too long and, and, then, and then snatching at the pass, which, which we hadn't really seen from him in the preseason or even That's earlier this season. So he's yeah. kind of deteriorated, I think. So I think it was the right the right time to pull him and, and to go yeah. with Duck for the next yeah. game.
4: Yeah, we won, you know, which was great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I kind of love to watch Rudolph throw the ball because there's something about the acceleration when it leaves his hand. Reminds me a little bit of Drew Brees, you know, at his best, or Warren Moon. Like, the ball just goes. Um, He might not be that accurate. (laughs) He (laughs) goes
2: straight to a linebacker.
4: (laughs) I can't, I don't know who the striker is. He plays for, like, Stoke or something. He's a sort of slightly portly English dude, and he can kick the ball, like, just a cannon. I always like to watch him play. He couldn't really run very fast, but boy, he kicked the ball. Get <laughs> his name, Adams maybe. Was there an is there an Adams who can kick the ball really hard? Uh, I don't know. Charlie? You Adams? guys don't know yeah. maybe <laughs> might
1: be maybe. Yeah. I don't. Know, I was trying to. get, I thought you were going to go for Peter Crouch then, but then you said uh, a slightly portly fellow. It's definitely yeah. Go. yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> Matt Martin Adams. I don't remember his name. I think he's certainly he's balding. He's kind of a he's, he looks like he's you know thirty five and he's not, or it looks like he's thirty seven. Um, <laughs> but know. when he kicks the ball, darn, it just. It's like a cannon shot.
1: David, it's like you know, shearer in
4: his good days. If you don't
1: mind me asking what's with the in depth knowledge of Stoke City?
4: Uh you know, I just told that I just trying to I knew he played for a team that was um that was sort of lesser down on the table. But uh <laughs> I've never no, I was an American I've always I've I never liked people who cheer for the Dallas Cowboys or the Steelers or the Pats just because they're super famous. So I you don't like us Yeah it's like you know when people <laughs> cheer for Man United or or liverpool who have never even been to the cities i just think it's kind of yeah. stupid like uh yeah
3: you
1: Paul, know when Paul, i was even Garfield personally attacked
4: <laughs>
3: yeah yeah i'm feeling very undermined here right now
1: <laughs> I, I i'm gonna to go city, start so supporting I, the bills or something i'm allowed i've been to the city but these two <laughs>
4: yeah i mean i love i i'm I, 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 mostly i'm talking about americans interested in sort of you know men they sit around there like man you i'm like what the hell do you even know about manchester or football so uh <laughs> You know, that tends to just sort of, oh, yeah. I was always interested in the smaller teams like Aston Villa or, uh, I don't know, you know, <laughs> Luton or something like that. Or... But, but, Luton. Bolton yeah. Wanderers, the, the mighty Bolton yeah, Wanderers.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I, I totally know what you mean. I mean, we've told the stories of how we got onto the Steelers multiple times and, and they're all weird and wacky and wonderful. And I think that's the way it just yeah. is in the UK. I mean, every, everyone has their own story, unless they're a Patriots fan, um, you know, for obvious reasons. Right. Um, and they
4: have no stories at all. Yeah, exactly. No
1: like, yeah. You know, there's so many different ones. Mine's just because I recognized the badge from a video that I'd seen a long, long time ago. And that's what, just the only the only recompense I had to sort of choose a team. And it grows into kind of a love of a team over years and years and years. So,
3: yeah. 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 So, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, while we're on Great Steelers, uh, Antonio Brown.
4: Uh, yeah. Again, a guy who, you know, they Think they're bigger than the team, uh, personality over skill. Even I mean, yeah, he was one of the most phenomenal receivers ever to play the game. I mean, truly mind blowing. Uh, I just, I, you know, I, the problem is, is we in the United States, we we breed children to be amazing athletes in certain sports, and I think it happens everywhere, of course. But football is, I don't know, football is just so gigantic and so powerful and and so dangerous that you you breed. A species of young kids, you know, who are these unbelievable athletes who are allowed to get away with, you know, everything. And by the time they're 19, 21 years old, they've they've been told they're geniuses and perfect and amazing and untouchable all their lives. And, you know, to go out there and have somebody who's 240 pounds about to take your head off, you better think you're, you're pretty brilliant or, you know, talented. I just, it just, I don't know. It makes me sad that, you know, we sit around, we blame this and that and this and that. But, you know, we make these people. We, we let these kids become, uh, really selfish human beings. And, um, uh, it happens all over the place. Uh, what,
3: what do you think his, his legacy is going to be in the city? Cause obviously at one point he was kind of the favorite son almost, wasn't
4: he? No, they won't even remember him. It's like he would never existed. Wow, really?
3: Oh, I yeah. deleted?
4: Yeah. Brown, Brown will be thought of as like, uh, um, you know, we've had a whole series of great uh, uh, receivers. Some of them shot themselves in bars in New York City. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, it won't even be thought about. Wow. Well, On a similar level, David, uh, one that I used to love and then similarly broke my heart towards the end of his career, but not on the same kind of self-destructive level, James Harrison. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's the kind of feel around him and when he moved to the Patriots and the kind of things he said? Yeah, great respect. I mean, uh, you know,
4: Harrison first and foremost worked hard played hard and tried to win and was committed to his team mm-hmm. um the fact that he ended up with the pats you know that's fine for him uh you know i think everybody in the city respects him hugely and they just there was a thing going about like sort of pittsburgh uh, whatever twitter circles of a, a highlight game that actually i was at with my friend pat jordan and when he had like five ta- 10 tackles four sacks you know it was the most insane game I'd ever seen and um, yeah Harrison is deeply respected
1: and, and admired good well I'm glad about that because it, it definitely hurt when he when he moved but it's kind of a different yeah. thing to the Antonio Brown stuff it's not on the side yeah level. very
4: different yeah
1: you know Harrison never, never didn't quit Harrison didn't sit yeah. down and say I'm you know the hell with you the, the uh,
3: team quit on him almost didn't they They didn't you know he was on the sidelines for his last season wasn't he they weren't yeah. they weren't using yeah. him yeah. yeah so so who would you say are the sort of the favorite sons of Pittsburgh then
4: Uh, First and foremost, foremost, Franco Harris. He's sort of a patron saint. Um, And he walks around. You see him all the time. I see him once a month, probably. Uh, He's incredibly personable. He's smart. Um, He's generous. He's um, unpretentious. Uh, Yeah, Franco, really, I think. Uh, Mean Joe Green, even though Mean Joe doesn't spend a lot of time here. People adore him. Great respect for him. Uh, Lin Swan, of course, hugely... uh, um, who else? Uh, Mel Blunt. Mel Blunt's deeply respected for his work with children. Um, he's always around. Uh, well, so the Jack Lambert, of course, is sort of a legend. Jack's like a... You know, he, you know, I, for many, many years, he was a game warden up in the mountains of Pennsylvania. and Nobody even knew where he was. And he never oh, really? spoke, never did interviews. Nobody ever saw him. So he just became more legendary as the years went on. So Lambert is kind of held in great, great esteem. Yeah, I would say those guys. Any, Rocky
3: Blyer, of course. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, because uh, any any, any that are sort of underrated, maybe that should be in the Hall of Fame, that aren't, uh, Rocky Blyer's name comes to mind, Donny Schell, Greg Lloyd. Any, any... Donny
4: Schell. Donny Shell, and Greg Lloyd, I would say, absolutely. Yeah, Donny Schell should probably be in the Hall. Um. Uh, Hines, people really respect Hines for how hard he played. You know. Well, that's really, it.
3: Yeah, because um, the semifinalists have come out today, isn't it? It's uh, Troy, Vaneker, yeah. and Hines are the only three left.
4: Yeah, and Troy is. Troy's. Everybody loves Troy. Everybody loves Troy. I mean, he's a shoo-in
3: to go in, isn't he? I, I'd have thought. I think so.
4: Yeah, I think he's definitely a shoo-in.
3: Heinz is just. Heinz uh, is a tricky one.
4: Yeah. He's he's I think
3: he's worthy of it. It's just whether whether he'll get the get the nod from the panel.
4: He doesn't have the numbers that some of the big, huge offenses had. But I mean, he was. That wasn't really a style of play, sense. though, was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but if, you know, it's what is that unmeasurable thing? If they could. If they're willing to look at that, then for sure. Yeah.
3: And, and an all-round good guy. I mean, he's never never was in any trouble at all, was he? I mean,
4: not really. He lived a kind of wild life that nobody really talked about. But no harm, no harm, no foul. <laughs> 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 um, you know, and he was also five ten, five nine. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've been next to Heinz a couple of times, and he's significantly shorter than I am. So, so yeah, he sort he of
3: regularly rubbing shoulders with great Steelers, former Steelers.
4: Uh, I see that you know you see Lin Swan once in a while at fundraisers. I see Franco a lot because he works with a friend of mine. Um, and I'll sit in. I'll be sitting in a basement, and Franco will be there by himself with one other person. And I'll be like, uh, you know, Franco, can you tell me about the, you know, what was it like playing at Penn State, or what was it like growing up in Philadelphia? No, you know, just start talking. Um, yes, yeah, cool. it's really kind of lovely. They're just there. Yeah, that's great.
1: It's also the City kind of takes them under the wing a little bit as well, doesn't it? And it, it becomes more than just a football team.
4: It really is. Uh, you know, you can get into, like, what is the Barcelona phrase? is Moscow and club, and Liverpool thinks it's, you know, heaven on earth. You never and,
1: walk alone. <laughs>
4: yeah, you know. Um, I think what happened with the Steelers was, you know, the biggest sort of economic collapse in American history since the Great Depression happened between about 1978 and 1988. So for just in those years, Pittsburgh lost probably 80,000 people in its population, maybe a hundred, depending on who's counting.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, I don't mean in the city proper, but I mean uh, in what we would call Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the town that I live in went from 20,000 people in 1972 to currently it's under 4,000. Wow. Um, what else? Duquesne, uh, Homestead, Manesson, Monongahela, all those towns, these Denora, all these famous steel towns were devastated. 60, 70 percent unemployment. Um, you know, the mills just collapsed, and that happened at exactly the same time that the Steelers became the best team in the history of football. I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, I think we're at the moment we're still holding on to that. Pat, Patriots, will, Patriots will take it soon, but um, <laughs> um, and there's something about the, that that link up created a kind of mythology not only among pittsburghers but among pittsburghers who left so you have hundred thousand people move they all have kids and grandkids and all those kids live all around the united states and what did their parents tell them how great the steelers were uh, how much how fantastic living in pittsburgh was when they were a kid before the mill went down right so it becomes this sort of steeler nation and you get this kind of speech this these stories being told by people who've never lived in pittsburgh who live all over the country so when the steelers go and play in arizona or green bay or wherever you've got you know almost half the stands are wearing black and gold um yeah you know um and there was the rivalry between the steelers and the cowboys the cowboys represented glitz and money and you know corruption and crap and, and the steelers were sort of this working ethic kind of hardcore t- um team you know and for the most part they were You know, it wasn't too much of a smokescreen. Chuck Knoll was a really tough-nosed dude, and the Roonies didn't put up a lot of crap. Um, uh, So that, I think, got under people's skin, and it's been the sort of brand of Pittsburgh for many, many years. I think, you know, I think we've lost sight of that, and I think we've, you know, we're not the same city we were anymore, and um, the team is not obviously forged in the same way. But it's tough to escape the... uh, I don't know, like there are moments where I see Bill and the of a play or Watt or, um, Pouncey, And I'm like, yeah, you know, there, there's a sort of epic to the way that they play that re- that reminds me of, of, um, what people would say when they talk about Pittsburgh football, um, small little known fact, the uh, more hall of famers in the football hall of fame come from Western Pennsylvania corner, of West Virginia, Eastern Ohio, than any other place in the country. um, there are more football teams in this area than any other place in the country, and the guy that wrote Friday Night Lights wanted to set it in Western Pennsylvania, but he thought it was too weirdly locale-oriented, so he picked Texas because it's in the middle of the country. Um, hmm. So there's a little, you know, football's pretty deep here. Yeah, it really um, is
1: football time. It, it, it's interesting to hear you talk about all that, David, because I think a lot of the time, I mean, maybe Gav can correct me here because he's been around a lot longer than I have watching this book, but... It, it, in the UK, it can sometimes very much boil down to the players, the plays, the stats, the analytics, now especially, and, uh, you know, the, the records, because mm-hmm. we're so far away and so distanced, maybe, culturally from what's going on, um, that you maybe don't hear about that side of things as much uh, as you probably do when, you, when you're when you in it and when you're, you know, in, in the States. Um, I don't know if you got much of that gav, you know, when you first started watching American football, but...
3: I'd say it, because we couldn't watch the games as easily, it did, it, there was more of a feel of, you know, I mean, and also, we, you know, the internet's brought so much information and yeah. so much access that we didn't have. That, I mean, that was part of what attracted me to the Steelers was it felt like this kind of hard-working, you know, hard-nosed, tough yeah. town built on sweat and blood, you know. That was what got me into it in the 80s. So I, I think, I don't know if that's lost now, but I think it definitely was around in the eighties when I was getting into it and you know, the kind of the history of the teams and you know, what what their kind of background of where they are in the country. I think that was a factor. Yeah. yeah.
4: Well, the you point. know, I, I look at the way that uh, people talk about Tottenham playing with, with the, uh, the something about glory. There's a quote from a guy from like the sixties and you know, people still talk about that. And that guy played in the sixties. So they identified Tottenham with that. I mean, I watch them play and I'm like, they don't seem much less glory oriented or more glory oriented than manchester city or something but but like everybody's got their brand right where so the steelers mm. still carry they still carry that you know when they go into a game and and if it's the cowboys across the road uh next to them the steelers are the ones who in a way they're kind of underdogs you know they're the ones people want to win um
3: uh yeah i think i i, I fell out of love with english football in the kind of late twenty. 20- 2000s because it just felt like that uh, that connection to those towns, the original identities has been lost. The money, you know, there's no salary cap. You can just like when Man City started to buy success, I, yeah. I was just I kind of checked out at that point because it just felt yeah. like, you know, people come in from other overseas, buy a team, guarantee yeah. success. Where's the where's the competition? Yeah,
4: yeah. Exactly, you know, I think I, totally I think agree.
3: American football has has that still. You know, the, still the stamp of because you've got you know all the all the younger kids that come from the local schools, sure. you know, they get tryouts and, and there's still that kind of local element to the team, I think.
4: Yeah, there's a well, the salary cap, how you mentioned the financial nature of how the NFL run it, NFL is run is very smart. Um, and I think that that controls it in a way that maybe the Premier League's missing. Definitely. Um, yeah, I've been you know. advocating
1: for that for a long time, but the problem is because it's such an international game and players come from all over the place, it's very difficult to do. Whereas the NFL is so internalized and yeah, there's no real competition for them. Yeah, um, it, it, yeah it makes really it
4: really difficult. Yeah, it is amazing to watch. Like you know, I'll I'll drive around on a Friday night in Pittsburgh in the fall, and I'll just look for the lights, and I'll just drive to a stadium and sit there. And you know, you listen to the grandmothers yell and the kids playing and the cheerleaders and the color guard and the announcements about like the bakery thing is open to raise money for yada 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 and you know you can go from town to town to town and just watch all these kids and then you know there's college games junior colleges it's uh it is amazing to watch um and i don't even really like football i just kind of i love the culture (laughs) of of the people you know
2: Um, i think that's what fascinates us over here because we don't have anything like that even even in terms of, of soccer we don't have that sort of I mean, it's a national sport, but it's not something that's played on a, a particular day and you go and watch it and that's your, that's your night out.
1: Yeah, there's no pageantry.
2: No, and it, it's something that's played on a, a rainy Sunday morning when you're hungover and that's about it really, well, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> for my age group anyway.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it, it's amazing to see that grassroots thing and the way it's encouraged through all ages. It's fantastic to see and it's, it's something that's missing in a lot of countries, particularly here, I think.
4: Yeah, I think it was, you know, and I don't know if this is... um, I don't know if it's a particularly great thing or not. You know, a lot of it's colored with stuff that maybe we shouldn't encourage in young men. But, I mean, there was just so much... I can't use any other word, but tragedy. I mean, the Steelers were the worst team in the NFL until 1970. We were the worst. And then suddenly we were the best for 10 years. Um, And, like, not even the best, but, like, the best best. And uh, um, it, it just was... It was the only thing a lot of people in Pittsburgh had. It meant so much to them because they're, you know, uh, you know, unions were illegal in the United States until 1937. So the steel workers didn't organize until 1937. So you're talking barely two generations of men who were able to have union wages protection. Uh, they could organize without being shot at or beaten with sticks or chased down the streets. I mean, your cold, your cold towns have experienced all this stuff. Um, mm. And so these men, like, you know, they're in their 70s and 80s and they're watching that entire superstructure that funded their lives. And, you know, they might be first generation from Croatia or Italy or Russia or Hungary. And um, their kids were able to go to college, you know, and they lived long enough to watch it be destroyed, to watch it fall apart and all the jobs lost. And their kids uh, who were, you know, then in their 40s, you lose your job when you're 35 or 40 or 28 what the hell are you going to do? Um, and the young kids, right? Like the only thing you had in a lot of ways was this game and praying that you would do well enough school that you would go to a college, you would go to a decent university. Um, so the Steelers, that something about that logo, because the logo itself is the logo of us steel. It is. It's the only team that has a logo that's based on, a, you know, a, a company. Um, and, uh, somehow the two are kind of fused. Um, Uh, but you know, I mean, steel making's dirty and the people are jerks and they treat their employees (laughs) crappily and, you know, like any big industry, but, um, uh, and you know, maybe little boys shouldn't be raised to beat each other's brains in, but, um, uh, I don't know. There are times where I sit there and think, um, I hope that the, that the game is able to navigate or figure out a way about making itself safer. I don't know if that's the right word, but to, um, uh, to develop so that it, it continues. Oh, it's yeah. certainly.
3: I mean, it certainly changed in the time I've been watching it. It seems almost like a different game.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play calling um, certainly different, but the speed yeah. at which they hit each other. I mean, the mo- the speed at which they move. Um, yeah. You know, the speed at which Palomalo at full sprint could cut through somebody. It's like being hit by a small car. I mean, the thing is, Palomalu was cool, and he can't, he made a clean tackle like a rugby player would. You know that guy. I mean, you can say what you want about. Um, Rudolph getting hit in the head with a helmet. I thought the helmet-to-helmet shot on the receiver earlier on was horrible. Yeah. Like, that was criminal. Yeah.
1: That was flat-out yeah.
3: criminal. For Randall, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: Oh, it was horrible. Yeah, we said that at the yeah. time. When we went back and rewatched it, you almost didn't realize at the time, but, it, yeah, it's brutal. Absolutely brutal. Yeah. yeah, that's
4: when I sit there and I go, you know, where's the red card? Like, just yeah. walk up. Yeah. Gone. <laughs> just gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um,
3: yeah. yeah. The, one, the one other thing I wanted to hit on just while True. we were talking about the Steelers was um, – Tomlin I mean what's 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 the kind of overall what's the kind of man on the streets opinion of Tomlin do they like him I know there's a kind of a hardcore anti-Tomlin contingent on every kind of Steelers fan group I go on I'm not part of it by the way I, I, I like Tomlin but what what what's kind of the, the general consensus or yeah feeling of him
4: it's complicated and it gets tied up with you know the sort of inbred racism of America and particularly Pittsburgh you know where I it's strange you know it's not like It's not like the racism you'll find in the Deep South. It's something different. Um, But I do think that there's a kind of knee-jerk response to a lot of things, saying that there's always the phrase, Tomlin's too close to the players. Well, the players are black, and so's Tomlin. So, you know, you can add two and two together. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think people admire Tomlin a lot. He's definitely had, you know, some very good seasons. Uh, He... I think he was handed an offensive scheme that he was never able to control. I think his OCs, his offensive coordinators, maybe had more power than than he knew what to do with, or he was able to manage. And that Ben really, in a lot of ways, became the team. Um, And Tomlin comes from the defense. Uh, You know that's what he's good at, Um, and obviously, you know, we tend to be pretty good at that. Um, I think. I think maybe the what the Steeler what the Steelers are is a wave that's so big. I think it hit Tomlin and I think he, he's had trouble juggling that. Um, like all the stuff it takes to be that person. Um, I mean, in the way that anybody who follows Alex Ferguson is going to be, you know, is going to definitely suffer. Uh, but, um, I I don't know. I think, I think it's kind of right down the middle. I think a lot of people really love and respect Tomlin. And then I think a lot of people think he's overmatched. Um, but I don't think it is. I think it's again it's the offense. I think we allowed something we allowed the Roethlisberger offense to become the Steelers and and that's just it's not it's not football, you know? Yeah. I have a friend who has a theory. this is his theory. So Paul Brown, right? Paul Brown runs the Browns, and Paul Brown um taught Chuck Knoll. So Chuck Knoll was a play caller. He was a run he was like a back. All he would do is run in and like give the plays to the quarterback for the Browns. So um, Belichick and, um, the big tuna, what's his name? Uh, coach the New York Giants. Uh, he's a jerk, but he was brilliant. Uh, uh Parcells. Um, yeah. Parcells. They all come out of the Browns organization. So the guys who were the true, like genius play callers, the guys who created like modern football, the iteration of the descend, the descendant of genius goes to Belichick. Cause Noel was in some sense, the last member of that with the Steelers. Um, and if you look at the best team on earth right now, it's the Patriots. And why? Because they play a game that's based around a team and not around like some genius. Like Brady is a fantastic quarterback, one of the best ever, but because he plays Belichick system.
3: That's oh. interesting. Where, where do you think, um, the, the only name that popped into my head that wasn't in that, what you mentioned there was Bill Walsh, who was, you yep. know, Fair, probably the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the other would, great mastermind. Yeah.
4: Those are the two sides, right? Sort of airball, um, and error-oriented, with a great running back, of course. But yeah, the West Coast offense versus what Belichick does. Um, yeah. You know, now that's all mixed together. But yeah, I do think you're absolutely right about that. Is that you've got the sort of Browns-oriented culture of football, and then the West Coast. Yeah.
0: You
3: know. Yeah. Wasn't it? It wasn't the uh, Bill Walsh connected to the Browns through. I, just, I just remember been. those. Yeah.
4: You might have been. That offense. Yeah. That crazy yeah,
3: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good things come out of the Browns. So talking about the Browns, how are you feeling about the upcoming Browns game?
4: Oh, it's going to be brutal. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I mean, no. you know, say what they will <laughs> say what they will about like, Oh yeah, we're going to, you know, we're just another game. Oh my God. It's going to be horrible. They're going to beat the shit out of each other. It's going to be like that Cincinnati Bengals game a couple of years ago. Hmm. Um, we referenced I sure one. hope we win. Yeah. I just, I just hope we win. It'd be really embarrassing not to win, you know?
3: Do you think that played into the decision to Paul Mason it, for his own good?
4: Uh I don't know. I've
3: no idea. It's sure. tough, isn't it? It's a weird it's a, it's it's hard to know what's I think no one really knows outside the organization why they've decided to go with Duck, I think. It's tough to know because, yeah, Mason had a bad game, but I mean well a bad couple of games, but I mean H- Hodges is totally un unproven really. Yeah. You know, he's just yeah. come in, in relief. So it's it's, it's a, a big really step good, to take
4: that's good for- question. Yeah. It's a good question. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe there's some secret stuff going on in the background. Who knows? I mean, it was just oh, it was so insane. You know, I'm sitting there watching that game, and I'm sitting there going, "Wait a minute! He just he just yanked his helmet off. Wait, he just hit him with it." <laughs> yeah.
0: wait, yeah, wait, <laughs> I mean, he's kicking him yeah.
4: nobody got hurt, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was just yeah. Do you guys know what the Onion is? Do you know the the yeah the, yeah yeah the satirical magazine. They had an article that said um uh um the nfl fans enraged at brown's behavior until they see until they saw rudolph's punchable face you know, there's
1: something <laughs> about him you, you want to slap right i do see that yeah oh, yeah. yeah i think Just that's why i've not gone Dan to the bathroom
0: yeah
3: uh, so <laughs> class thing comes back to a pedigree he's yeah. he's you know he's 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 got high pedigree right and 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 hodges doesn't so I don't know. Everyone wants to root for the working, working man's guy, right?
4: I don't know. I, you know, frankly they just want a quarterback who can run the plays
0: and True. whoever yeah. it takes.
4: I mean, that's the things everybody in Pittsburgh's the most nervous about is we've been predicting Ben's retirement and he's been literally hinting at it for the last few years. And we don't seem to be doing anything to breed or draft or buy someone who's brilliant. Um, And everybody in Pittsburgh is scared of that because we, you know, we look at the post Terry Bradshaw years and they were dreadful. You know, we stung Mm. Tom Zach and Stout and Bubby Brister and all the rest Mm. of the disasters who played after him. Um, Those were dark times. You know, those were really sad times to be a Steelers fan.
3: Yeah. Yeah, we just got to hope that you think Ben Ben will come back, play one more year next year, and then see what happens from there.
4: Yeah, I just, you know, I I want the Steelers to go into overdrive to – Buy somebody, or you know, get the best draft pick they can get, and aim for aim for a quarterback. Um,
3: yeah, that's that's the issue, isn't it? They've got no first rounder. I think
4: that's this
1: probably a year, year so. away. Yeah, I think that's probably yeah. a twenty twenty one draft, if if anything. And you've got to raise hmm. them in the system, right? Like
4: yeah. Ben was a small miracle. Maddox got hurt. Ben got up and won fourteen games in a row. That's just yeah. unheard of. It's crazy. And he had a
3: great defense as well, backing him up, and a good run by, run game.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: Which which was you know Mason's had the defense but not the run game so far yeah. so yeah he's been thrust in early he's not ready I don't know I'm, not, I'm personally not ready to completely write him off yet but yeah, yeah I mean, be.
2: Be.
4: if we would beaten the Browns if we had beaten the Browns which we should have done uh, you know we'd be pretty good playoff contenders I mean I know we're sort of in the hunt for the wild card but in a kind of specious way you know yeah. Uh, but um, yeah if we'd beaten the Browns we'd be right in there
3: uh, we've well, we got another chance Another chance to do that. Yeah, a
1: win against sure. this Brown team definitely would put us right in that prime uh, wild card chase spot. You know, going yeah. up on the bills yeah. and you know, yeah, certainly. The whole, I, yeah. I mean, David, you're clearly very thoughtful and very. Uh, I can listen to you wax lyrical about the culture behind the game uh, all day, and I'd love it if you could, um, you know, come on again, maybe one, one, one time, maybe next season or in the off season, at some time, whenever you're free. And, um, yeah, yeah, is, I'd be happy to. Like, I, you know, I.
4: I don't the thing I I get really it annoys me that people bet on games and I know that betting in, in your country's a lot it's just more part of the culture but it's I,
3: less stigmatized yeah, yeah. Less stigmatized. I
4: just hate I hate uh fantasy football I hate <laughs> I hate the decentralizing <laughs> of loving your own team I hate people who sit around and it waters down your team and your city and your place and you know like I loved sitting in a pub in Bermondsey or in Borough where I was and I'd listen to these old guys talk about Millwall. I mean, I know Millwall has a dreadful history, but <laughs> like they loved it, right? That was their team. Or the guys who loved West Ham because that that was their part of London. And um to me that was what the games were all about. It wasn't about some industry that you're involved in, like it's betting on stocks. Um yeah. so yeah, for me it's always been like, you know, this is my team and, you know, what I, I know I know crap all about it really, but I mean, I know Pittsburghers. I know Pittsburgh, so. But I like that um, because yeah.
1: it, it feels like you do have a kind of a unique perspective on it, which is interesting. I just, you know, there's as many, there's so many bizarre, crazy, weird fans. Hmm. I
4: mean, <laughs> it's, there's so many crazy Pittsburgh fans. It's it's a it's a nice cornucopia of oddballs.
1: Um, <laughs> Now, I'm conscious, like, like I say, I bring this up because I'm conscious we've, uh, probably this is going to end up a two-hour podcast more than likely either way, but Gav, is there anything you'd like to go over non-football related or is that something you'd like to say for a different time?
3: Uh, let's save it for a different time, we, okay. we're running quite long, aren't we? Yeah, yeah sure. And, and some, of, some of Dave's insights were so interesting, I th- I wouldn't want to water it down with yeah, my exactly. rubbish questions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
4: Oh, yeah, sorry, guys.
3: I go on at length. Right? No, no. I mean, that's why we wanted to get you on. You're like a kind of ambassador for Pittsburgh, a historian <laughs> of Pittsburgh. We're just interested, you know, and, and also great to kind of know what, you know, you're in Pittsburgh. We're, we're thousands of miles away. So it's great to kind of get, a, get, you know, get a take on what people are saying and what what people are feeling. It's not through the media, you know, it's yeah. you and your circle of contacts. It's really interesting yeah. for us.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always get yeah. great to get a beat on that stuff, and and like I say, it'd be awesome. We only touched tangentially on you know some of the history and some of your experiences and stuff. It'd be great to have it, even if it was kind of more of a an off season thing at some point. Just you know, just did more of a talk about the history and the stuff that Gav's really into. That'd be really awesome. But yeah, um, maybe yeah. when
3: the uh, the Hall of Fame stuff's going on, we can yeah, get yeah. into some of that. Yeah,
4: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know a hell of a lot more about the steel industry in Pittsburgh itself than I do about football. So, yeah, um, but it all flies under the same sort of black and gold flag.
1: So. Awesome. Great. Well, Thank you so much cool. for, for joining us, David. It's been, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks um, guy. Is there anything you want to sort of mention before you go? Anything, anything to hit anything? To, I know we spoke about the play briefly to start with, but anything else to sort of pimp or anywhere for people to follow you or anything?
4: No, no, you know, the, it's, uh, the sun's going down here in Pittsburgh and it's kind of gray winter day. And, uh, the mill's uh, mill's quiet right now so tell Are, everybody it's fine everything's
1: lovely. going well you're just a man, you're just there to <laughs> yeah. to enjoy the sunset i, I, I get and, uh, that kind of guy and i love it
3: <laughs> painting a lovely picture <laughs> take
1: it easy perfect thank yeah. you so much for joining us dave um and bye, dave guys. and gav thanks so much for your uh, time this week and uh, i'll see you next week cool cheers, guys.
3: thanks thanks All david right. take care cheers bye